Hi, my name is Craig. And my name is Dave. And this is No More Sages. to the first episode of No More Sages, a show where we pick one game per year and explore how gaming has evolved through the decades, because we are old men. And this time, we're starting in 1987 with Wizards and Warriors. Alright, so the way we would like to format this is, uh, before we start talking about the game proper, we'd like to uh, read the stats off <laughs> of Wikipedia, because it's important to know who made things and when they made them. Totally right. So... Uh, Wizards and Warriors, it was developed by Rare, published by Acclaim, directed by the Stampers, um, and produced by one of the Stampers, and also Joel Hotchberg, Berg, whatever. Uh, the music was composed by David Wise, who we have had a previous interaction with, um, and it was released on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Or the NES. Or the NES. Depending on what religion you uh, are. In December 1987, although... For the purposes of this show, it is 1987, but it didn't actually hit my shows until 1990. Boy, uh, that certainly wouldn't be out of date three years later. Honestly, it was out of date when it came... Oh, no, you can't say that already. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, just a brief little summary of what, what we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, so, we have done a retro show in the past where we thought it was a lot of fun to look at how things change year to year. Uh, what we do is we pick one game, so for this week it's 1987, and then next week is 1988, and we also switch off. I pick this one, Craig will pick the next one, that kind of stuff. If you would like to... Are we doing requests, Craig? I almost went yeah, to the spiel. Yeah, let's, let's do requests for this, I think. Okay. That would be nice. All right. Uh, if you would like to request us, we you know stop this little thingy and then do a request. That's perfectly fine with us. And always fun to explore new games. So you can hit us up on the website with that. All right. First, do you have any history with Wizards and Warriors? Oh, do you know heaps of history? I've played so many games where Warrior has been one of the default classes. Um, That's a good point. Many, many RPGs all have warriors and wizards. Uh, the two of them together in a title? No, I've got no history whatsoever. Not only was I not a Nintendo kid, I was all. I also had taste in the games that I played, and um, okay. wizards and warriors. It's not. I don't know. I, I'm going by the box cover art here, but if you know, six year old saw me saw this, I would just think. Yeah, it's not. It's not inspiring. Um, so yeah. Oh, six-year-old Dave was like, "There's a strong man with a sword. I am in." Mm-hmm. Um. So, Craig, in said RPGs, do we tend to go warrior or wizard? Actually, you know, I neither. If I can help it, because obviously I would pick a roguish, stealthy, snipery sneaky thief type thing if i was forced down one of these paths i would i would maybe have traditionally picked warrior but more recently i've become interested in the arcane arts uh most recently with skyrim so i'm replaying skyrim now with fire and ice in my hands 
and it's actually quite fun uh, to have magic. Me with that one. You like it. You like it. You I like know. what I did there. Um, the, the thing uh, I always okay, found, so, like the okay. thing I always found with magic was, you know, it's it's a wee bit extra. On you can imagine a guy you're running about with a sword and hitting things like you do, but magic takes an extra leap of imagination to get into because I like you're more role play. I'm getting in with the you know the mages and stuff like that, and I'm like, hey, I'm one of you guys who's against us. It's very, it's a role. A wizard is a deep role. A warrior okay, is a common right. class. So to condense all that down, you normally play RPGs as the useless class and ignore the good class. Yes. All right. Um, I'm I'm very wizardly inclined in video games, not in real life. Um, so that is interesting. Like like we just went on a really interesting tangent for me, mm-hmm. and we really should be focused. But I gotta ask. So, wielding a sword and smacking a dragon upside the head is less of a leap than throwing an ice ball at a yeah. dragon. Yeah. Really? Because, yeah. Okay. Because I, mean, I could go and get a sword, and I could hit my car with a sword, but I could not go and get balls of fire and ice into my hands and magic them onto me. You know... There is an extra. There's an extra wee leap there. Okay. Yes. Yes. I, I guess I can understand that logic. That's. Um, what are we talking hit about? Hard with any swords. Yeah, we're gonna cut all. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's interesting to talk about. But like, <laughs> okay. So my history with wizards and warriors is I had the cart as a kid, and I used to boot it up every now and again, and I never really gave it much time other than what I'm going to spend some time talking about, and that is the music. Um, this was one of the first games that I ever held up a tape player to the TV speaker so that I could listen to that theme whenever I wanted. Uh, and it sounded like this. Um didn't get the finer arts of recording until later on in life. This was always a franchise that I was aware of and I played, but I never made it a point to go, Mom, for Christmas, I want Iron Sword. You know, it it was never a big deal. It was just something I ran across and went, yeah, there's a man on the front with a sword. I'll I'll play it. Uh, Now, Rare, we both have good and bad history with, but... That's a large conversation we'll save for another time when we do something maybe a little more iconic. Yeah, yeah. For Rare. I I would like to talk about David Wise. Yes. Um, He has the ostentatious position of being the only Western composer that I've always kept my eyeball on. Um, He is by far my favorite Western composer. I mean, doesn't do that much work anymore, but during the 8-bit era, I think he's up there with the greats of, like, Tim Follin. Um, um, first off... I, I particularly okay. liked his work in Marble Madness and California Games. Um, I see I went straight to Donkey Kong Country. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, yes, yep, yep, he did do some work. Um, <laughs> I think this is... Um, the title theme for this is arguably one of my favorite pieces of 8-bit music. 
like this this theme has stuck with me my entire life. There's something super baroque and you know Vivaldi, Toccata, and Fugi about it. The the way it moves and hearing it orchestrated is very nice. But now, uh, what did you think of the music? Yeah, I I really liked the music. I can't. I probably didn't think about it in as deep and couldn't couldn't explain it as eloquently as you. But it is. It does have some impact. The title screen, uh, the general level to level music is nice. It's it's nicer than the actual game itself. To be perfectly honest, it's probably my favourite thing out of playing this game was the music. The only place it really fell flat was when you're near death. And your beautiful music is replaced with a horrible, horrible noise. And oh, you mean you don't like that Zelda thing no. where it just beeps at you, obnoxiously yeah. reminding you of how bad you are at this game. I'm so bad at this game that, and that noise is so annoying, I actually think it's there to make you kill yourself and start again. <laughs> it adds replay value by being the worst noise yeah. in the world. Yeah, but otherwise ah. the music is fantastic. And yeah, I've flippantly said, obviously, Marble Madness and California Games being two games we've done before in past in the past. But yeah, like Donkey Kong music is flipping iconic. Even to me, a non-Nintendo person, like like it's it's crazy how much I like Donkey Kong music. And you went on about it and then I eventually played Tropical Freeze and the music's fab. But it's one of the ones where I did stick it on my Spotify list and I listened to it while I was at work as well, because it's it's Great music. It's amazing music. Uh, and it, he only was 20 years old when he did this. And uh, puts me to shame in what I did at 20 years old, that's for sure. But Okay, so we've beat around the bush long enough. Let's actually talk about the game. If we have to. Um, I'm... Wizards and Warriors is a platformer in the Euro tradition. If you don't know what that means, that means they are giant open maps that you can just run around in and search for things, and they will not tell you what your objective is other than kill the end boss, uh, gather diamonds, and you're like, I, I don't know what's in the background, what's in the foreground, I guess I'll just run around everywhere. Would you like to explain the combat in this? Yeah. 1987 video game. So this 1987, we're saying this like we're trying to get this up in the the SEO. This <laughs> 1987 video game, um, developed by Rare, was it's it's interesting. So the combat involves you you have a sword which is constantly sticking out, and you jump about the place randomly hitting enemies. You can poke them. You can slap them, you can do whatever you want with your sword, but it just feels really weird. Like, I don't know how you felt about it, but to me it just felt like you weren't holding a sword. I don't know what I thought you were holding, but there's just something really off about the combat, because you can't really call it combat. It's more like jumping at angles to try and poke something You happen to poke something by accident (laughs) while making a jump. Yeah. Uh, Yes. When you hit the button and you attack, you don't so much attack as maybe you wiggle it in a <laughs> vaguely ominous way. Uh-huh. Like, there is no swing. It is just, eh, uh-huh. up and down, and that's it. Uh, to me, that, that was always the worst part about it. But watching speedruns, it seems like your sword always has active 
hurt boxes. Mm-hmm. So you just leave it in the upright position, much like your airplane tray, airplane tray, and you can do some damage with it. Yeah, that's that's how I played most of the game. Was I just left it up? And for the most part, the levels have a bit of verticality in them. So you can start at the bottom or you start at the top and then work your way down and then work your way up at a diagonal and just make sure you keep poking people as you jump up. The other thing that took me three levels until I realised you could do is you can jump on people as well, which yes, in, I did not expect that. Like, I did not expect this at all. Oh, it's- Jumping on people, it's actually kind of effective and a really weird if it, it feels odd like again it feels odd to be able to jump on people in this game i don't know why well it, it, it doesn't feel like it's something they wanted you to do it feels like you're getting away with something because mm-hmm. because there's no mechanics behind it you don't do like a squish landing like a mario you don't do a bounce off like other games it's just funk uh-huh. Which I guess, if you're wearing a full suit of plate mail armor, that's kind of what you do, is just funk. Yeah. But, but it but feels weird. And if you go down that path, you're wearing a full plate armor suit, you shouldn't be able to jump twice your own height up onto a different platform, so, you know. Well, Kuros is known throughout the land for having the thigh strength of a frog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so, uh, one thing that, uh, going back to this, I always forget is in it, because I don't play it for very long, is there's equipment. Like, like you can get honest-to-God, like, fantasy equipment of, like, the boots of lava walk, the staff oh, of power, mm-hmm. the dagger of throwing. Things like that, uh, that definitely, I mean, once you get the dagger of throwing and you just start hucking daggers around, then the combat does get more fun. But that doesn't change the weird physics that this game seems to have. Like, it's very hard for me to describe it without using the word European. Mm -hmm. It feels like James Pond. It's exactly where I was going to (laughs) go. That's odd. Yeah, it feels exactly like James Pond. I like older rare games because they're always technically very good. Like, they look better than most other NES games. They sound better than a lot of other NES games. But they do run into that problem of, is that in the background? Or is that in the... Oh, nope, that was the background. Okay, I'm dead. Uh, I, I I don't know if it's my eyeballs or if that's a universal thing. Did you have trouble with that? Um, I, a wee bit of trouble, yeah. Again, I think I, I half put it down to my eyeballs. But if we're both experiencing it, it must be something a bit deeper than that. Deeper depth. <laughs> uh, yeah, so maybe both of our eyeballs are broken. All but the game yeah, is broken. There, there's also things that catch you by surprise. Like in the caves, you will have these 45 degrees sloped uh, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, paths, yeah. uh, pieces of ground, whatever you want to call it. And I don't expect to slide down them in an NES game. Like it's a full, you hit it and you just, like a plank, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, so sometimes the jumps are super squirrely because you have to land like in a very magic pixely area in order to not fall. Now let's talk about how far you actually got in this because we have a standing rule where we will play at the very least an hour of a game. This isn't so much a full game review; it's more of a how does this feel to play in 2022 kind of thing. 
Um, so how, how much did you play? Did you play past the requisite time or did you just, okay, I'm done? Oh no, it was very much uh, up to the time. I was incredibly bored with the game by the time I was getting close to, you know, like cut off. I think I haven't seen a speed run or anything, but looking at the map of where you're supposed to be going and the levels I got through, you must be able to complete it in like 40 or 50 minutes or something like that, or half, you know, crazy half an hour people or 10 minutes or whatever. Uh, I got very bold because I did the first level, which you're in the woods and it's, you know, you're in the woods and you're jumping about trees and then you go down a big, what feels like the inside of a tree and you're in caves and you're trying to make your way underneath a castle and for three consecutive levels, you're just in different coloured caves and I was just... I was praying for some different scenery. I a tree? I just, um, a piece of grass? Give me a tree. So then you get to the other side of this cave system and you have to go back the way up a tree to another forest area and you're like, no. So that's as far as I got because I just I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to play. That's perfectly fine. I mean I mean that's a statement in and of itself. I I still have the cart that I had when I was a youngster, so I took a leaf blower to the cart itself and booted it up on an actual NES, and I played it for a little bit extra. I went for the extra credit on this one. I played it for an hour and a half. I don't know what your excuse was. It can be beaten in 20 minutes. Oh, geez. I don't see why you didn't do that. But I, I got to the... Ooh, I think it was the past the blue cave part of it. Uh, there are names for these levels, but it's a lot more fun to call things the pink woods, the blue mm-hmm. cave. Especially um, for a for a colorblind person, that really helps. It, it adds an air of mystery. You're like, what is this pink of which you speak? Um, but yeah, I, I didn't spend a ton of time with it. Because this is Wizards and Warriors. I, okay, so down to brass tacks. I, I've been trying to be nice to Wizards and Warriors. Because it really sucks to start the first episode of a new show and just be like, this is garbage. As we will continue on, we don't... I'm a little less biased about older games. I try I try not to you know let nostalgia blind me. And Craig has... Not a phobia, a reluctance to play older games, right? Like, like you'll never go back this early because you just want to. No, no, this is very much a, you're putting me in a position where it's I will play an older game because we've said we're going to play an older game. I've got enough of a to-do list on PS4 and PS5 without even remotely considering playing anything else other than to talk to you about it. And that's, like, I don't have a bias against older games if i i've played plenty that i've loved big fan uh, of lolo yeah exactly you know like i played absolutely heaps in the past that i love and we've spoke about and some of them are, are my favorite games you know like they would make my top 50 that's fair and and half of what's fun about exploring old video games is how they add to your lexicon so now if a new game was to come out i could say yeah it's kind of like wizards and warriors mm-hmm. you would know exactly what i'm talking about yeah uh, for me that's a lot of the fun of revisiting a lot of these games as a kid so, oh okay i 
like Craig, I'm more forward-looking when it comes to video games. I'm more interested in what's coming out. But when I like to learn about video games, I'm very interested in video game history. So I do end up going back and playing oddball games. I mean, not that this is oddball. It's just, for me, they're more of a history lesson than they are a, I'll boot this up. Unless we're talking like, you know, a Mega Man or, you know, a Dragon Quest or something like that. So, how does this hold up in 2022, Craig? How does this hold up in 2022, Craig? Well, it doesn't hold up at all for me. The The only thing that holds up is the music. As I said at the start, I think the rest of the game just feels a little bit off and a little bit not quite right and haphazard and European. I will use the slanderous <laughs> the, the version of the that forbidden word. word. Yeah, it feels European. And I, a few years ago, Dave would have said that to me and I would have been like, I don't get what you mean. But now I completely understand. Like, I understand the weight behind calling a game European. If you're not old enough to know... Nobody understood the math of how to make a good jump arc except Japan. That was something they kept to themselves for a very long time. And European and American games were just god-awful at jump arcs. And this suffers from that. Like, you have a super floaty jump, but not a super controllable jump. Um, it, 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 it's, it's stiff while also being moon physics. It's very strange in your hands. I will agree with you. I do not think this holds up in 2022 unless you have either nostalgia that would bring you back to this and go, oh, hey, I remember the time I ate cereal and played Wizards and Warriors, or you're interested in the history of Rare or just the NES in general, then yes, this is important. Like every game, I have a running thesis, right? And I want to see if this pays off. Every game, no matter how good or how bad it is, has a nugget of something worthwhile in it. Except Skyrim. And <laughs> for this, when I when I sat and I thought about it, I think the nugget, I think you're right, the nugget of this is very much the music. That is some banging 8-bit chip tunes right there. Mm-hmm. I'm also predisposed to like it just because David Wise did it. But if I you if you had to tell a friend, hey, why is Wizards of Warrior important, you know, in your what did I do over the summer? School report, it, for me, this is very much the music. Like, I, this music, either the original or a reorchestrated edition, it's always there for me. Like, I really enjoy it. So, that would be the nugget I bring away from this, would be the music. I like the idea behind it, because high fan, not high fan, yeah, high fantasy, was not really that prevalent to me as a kid. So, hearing about this led to me checking out other things like like this probably has a hand in why I like fantasy so much if it was about people in spacesuits shooting lasers at <laughs> goop aliens this would be important to you Craig um so yeah it sucks that we're starting at 1987 and we had talked about well let's pick a better game for 1987 right yeah. because let's let's start this I think it's important, though, because this does send a bit of a thesis statement for just because it's old and we played it as kids does not make it good. I, I think there's also a benefit to starting on a bit of a clunker. Yeah. 
Uh, I also wish this was included in Rare Replay so I didn't have to sandblast my NES to work again. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you very much for listening to this inaugural episode. As I said in the middle of the episode, if you would like to suggest a game, or if you have thoughts on Wizards and Warriors, maybe this is, to you, this is as good as a Mega Man, or this is as good as a Castlevania, or, you know, it's a classic to you, uh, please let us know. I'm always interested in reading what people think about games. But to be honest, I have had plenty of friends where they go, nope, never heard of it. So if this was important to you as a kid, I'd be super curious to hear what you think. And next week, we're going to be talking about another little bit of an obscure one for 1988. It's going to be Atomic Runner Chelnov. So we will catch you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Darcy, Craig, I'm here. Well, I was going to say, um, in the mood of the current game, uh, if you can do your best medieval accent, um, say goodbye to the fine people. Goodbye, fine people. All right, Craig always cosplaying as Lady Guinevere. I like it. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.